welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about Messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director. Shalom, and may I wish you a happy Hanukkah and an almost Merry Christmas. We're really excited about this season of the year. So many great things are happening. And uh, today on the Chosen People radio program, we're going to share a little bit about Hanukkah, and uh, then we'll talk about Jesus in Hanukkah. And joining with me is Bobby Walter. So, Bobby, before I tell people why Hanukkah is my favorite holiday, um, is Hanukkah your favorite holiday? Uh, It's definitely up there. It's in the top 10. I'll say that. Okay. And besides the potato latkes that you dip into applesauce or sour cream or the souvganiot, which are the jelly donuts that we make in Israel, which ones are your unhealthy favorite? The the souvganiot, for sure. Uh, There's a a bakery here in Brooklyn. It's a kosher bakery. And uh, when you get it like fresh, like still warm, oh my gosh. Outrageous. It's amazing. And all of these foods are as oily as possible. And it's the oil, believe it or not, that has the religious symbolism. And we're going to explain that to you uh, as we go on. But I want to tell you that there is a real story to Hanukkah. And I like to tell the story because according to uh, Jewish tradition, if you tell this story, you have a blessing. (laughs) So true or not, it's always a blessing to tell the story. So here we go. After the death of Alexander the Great, the area of the Greek Empire was divided into four parts. Right. But we're going to focus on one of the uh, grandsons of one of the generals who got some of that land, and he got Egypt, he got Syria, and he got Israel, all in Mm. the same package, and that's Antiochus IV. And he ruled from 175 to 164 BC, and it's during those years that the story of Hanukkah unfolds. Hanukkah means dedication. And the reason it's called Hanukkah is because it involves the rededication of the temple in Jerusalem. So the Jewish people were were under the domination of the Greeks. And the Greeks, you know, they, they had an agenda for the Jewish people, an agenda for all people that they conquered. Uh, they didn't want a heterogeneous society. They wanted a homogeneous society where everybody spoke Greek, everybody dressed Greek, everybody worshipped the Greek gods, and everybody behaved themselves and obeyed the Greek rulers. And so Antiochus IV was known as a Seleucid. He was a Syrian Greek ruler, and he was he was uh, quite taken with himself. And so people called him Antiochus Epiphanes, which means Antiochus the madman. And uh, Antiochus, like many other Greek rulers viewed himself as an incarnation or manifestation of one of the Greek gods. Everybody fought over being the the incarnation of Zeus, of course. And uh, so I think Antiochus had a Zeus complex. And here's what happened. He sent his emissaries out to the little villages all over Israel. And um, we're just going to focus on Israel, not what he did with other places. Mm -hmm. So he sent out his emissaries, and they came to a town called Modi'in. And Modi'in 
is on the way between the airport and uh, Jerusalem. So you can always stop in Modi'in, has very interesting architecture and has some pretty good falafel. So on your way to Jerusalem, you can grab lunch yeah, or dinner that, for that matter. Honestly, that's one of the reasons that I just love the fact that we can visit the modern state of Israel today uh, and, and encounter these ancient sites. Like this town, this village is still there. You even have the Maccabean Gardens and graves. I mean, so there's a lot of things you can see in Modi'in. And there's a really couple of neat Messianic congregations, Israeli congregations in Modi'in also. And so Antiochus sent his emissaries. There was a family called the Maccabees. And the Maccabees, led by uh, Mattathias, who was the father of Judah, refused to bow down and worship the idol of Antiochus Epiphanes, because they understood that this would be idolatry, because mm -hmm. the Greeks believed that this was a, an image of Antiochus, who was an incarnation of, of Zeus. Got that, everybody? <laughs> and so, you know, false religions are not always easy to understand. And so the Maccabees refused, and uh, Mattathias said, all who are for the Lord, follow me. And for the next uh, three or four years, they began basically a three-year guerrilla war with the Greeks. During that time, the Greeks got pretty upset. And so they came to the altar in Jerusalem, and they actually offered a pig on the temple. Now, that's a tradition, but I believe that it probably happened. You find the story in, in the book of Maccabees, which is mm -hmm. apocryphal. We don't consider it part of scripture, but they are right. part of Jewish history. And, and this was a big deal, right? To sacrifice a swine on the altar. I mean, clearly when we read the Torah, when we read the word of God, the pig is one of the animals Bobby, that's declared Bobby, unclean. I don't think I mean, there could be anything worse. Yeah, exactly. If, they, exactly. if they were trying to do something that would be an affront to the Jewish people and to the God of the Jews, they did a good job. Mitch, you're, you're absolutely right. And this really, you know, it connects really powerfully with uh, what we talked about last week and anti-Semitism and how to combat it and the problem of anti-Semitism. That's what we see in the events of Hanukkah. This was an anti-Semitic attempt by Antiochus to wipe out the Jewish people, to outlaw their practices, to destroy them, uh, but God. But God stepped in. God defended his people. God took this small guerrilla army as they're facing this powerful army, and he provided the victory. Absolutely. So after the Maccabees won that fight, because Antiochus was drawn into a, a skirmish in Egypt and, um, and didn't pay attention, the Maccabees figured out that a pig was slaughtered on the altar. It was beyond cleansing, so they mm -hmm. tore down the stones of the altar and set it to the side and actually said that one day someone will come who will cleanse the stones. Yeah. That became a, a part prophet. of the message. They say one a day prophet. a prophet will come. Yeah, Right, and sort of a take on Deuteronomy 18. And this was basically understood as a messianic uh, tradition, that mm -hmm. the Messiah would come and cleanse the stones. And so they won the war, they restored the altar, they rebuilt a new one. And now, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, there's another tradition, and that is how it became an eight-day holiday, that there was an eternal light in the temple, and the eternal light only had enough olive oil to last for one day when the Maccabees marched in. And so the Maccabees quickly started gathering olives and began pressing olives, but it takes eight days for it to cure, so it would burn. And miracle of miracles, 
the eternal light filled with just enough olive oil for one day lasted for eight days until the olive oil was ready to be put into the lamp. Now, was that true? Who knows? Probably not. But I'm happy about it because now Hanukkah lasts for eight days. And so you can't confuse the seven-branch menorah with the Hanukkah menorah. Mm -hmm. The Hanukkah menorah is eight branches for the eight days and a ninth branch in the middle called the shamus or the servant. And we light that first before we light all the other candles. And we do it from right to left, which is the way Hebrew is written. Right. And it's actually beautiful imagery, too, because that servant candle, which is actually for it to be a kosher Hanukkah menorah, that servant has to be lifted up above the other lights. Mm -hmm. Yes, and then it does. The, the picture is the servant comes down, brings the light to all the others. Oh. You know, so it's it's nice imagery. You know, and it kind of oh, fits as believers, with, uh, we love that one exactly. It exactly, preaches so well that the servant is the light of the world who lights all of his right. disciples who shine for him. You know, it's right. beautiful. Yeah, You're and right. one other thing, if I could add, Mitch, about yeah. you know, the the reason that it's an eight day feast when you look in you know first and second Maccabees and the telling of the the events of Hanukkah. When they cleansed the, the temple and they were rededicating it, they actually figured out, they said, okay, well, what was the last holiday that, uh, <laughs> that we couldn't celebrate? Uh, the last one that we missed out on because of this defilement that took place. And it was the Feast of Sukkot or the Feast right. of Booths or Tabernacles, which is an eight-day feast. So right. they said, well, let's celebrate the, the Feast of they, Dedication. They did a festival catch-up. Uh, essentially, yeah. It was like a belated <laughs> Sukkot. Yeah, that's true. And so, and Sukkot's a very festive holiday. And so that spirit of joy and festivity sort of carried over in, into the observance of Hanukkah. So now let me get to the best part. As being raised in a Jewish home, I got a gift every night. And I felt I had it over my quote unquote Christian friends who only got one Christmas gift. So if right. there was a competitive run between Hanukkah and Christmas, I would take Hanukkah every time. Of course, as a Jewish believer, I'm free to celebrate Hanukkah, eight gifts, and Christmas, one gift, which makes nine. So I keep piling it on, you know? <laughs> but seriously, Hanukkah is not mentioned in the Old Testament. Uh, the abomination of desolation in the book of Daniel sort of predicts what they did, uh, the uh, Greeks did, uh, during that intertestamental period when they slaughtered the pig on the altar. And, of course, the abomination of desolation is picked up in the New Testament as well as taking place when the Antichrist sits in the temple and, again, uh, does his, his dirty deeds. So, certainly, that is mentioned, but the only clear uh, statement or incident describing a Hanukkah celebration in the Bible is in the New Testament. Of course, Jewish people do not accept the New Testament as the Bible. But as Messianic Jews and Gentiles who believe in Jesus, we absolutely believe that the New Testament is the Bible. One, it's one book, one seamless story from the old all the way through the end, to the end from Genesis to Revelation. And so in John chapter 10, we see Jesus celebrating Hanukkah in the right place at the right time, making one of the most profound statements he made in all of the Gospels on Hanukkah. And when you come to the end of it all, Really, what Hanukkah is celebrating is God's faithfulness to his promises to the Jewish people, mm. that he would never forsake them, he would never uh, reject them. And even Jewish people today understand that this is a testimony to God's covenantal faithfulness. 
as believers in Jesus and as a Messianic Jew, I understand this probably in a little deeper way. You quoted the other day in our radio program, Jeremiah 31, remembering that verses 35 and following that God will never reject his people. I think, Bobby, that's the message all the way through the Torah, the five books of Moses, Deuteronomy 7, Jeremiah 31, and into the New Testament, Romans chapters 9 through 11. Mm -hmm. God will not reject his people even when his people rejected him. He will turn the hearts of the Jewish people because he made a promise that one day, indeed, he will be their God and they would be his people. And that means that that has to happen through the Jewish people turning to Jesus as the Messiah because there's no other way for individual Jews or Gentiles to have a relationship with God outside of Jesus the Messiah. That is the only way. He is the only way, the way, the truth, and the life. And so when I celebrate Hanukkah, I look forward to a greater day of deliverance when God will turn the hearts of the Jewish people to Jesus and Jewish people will turn to Jesus. And actually when the Jewish people turn to Jesus, Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom, which is going to be the ultimate and full deliverance. The curse is lifted according to Romans chapter 8, and we all get to rejoice around the, the throne. And we may not get presents every day of the week, you know, for eight days, but um, in the kingdom, I think that it's going to be one big joyous occasion. And who's going to care about presents at that time? Instead of presents, we'll have his presence and that'll be even more important. During this season of Christmas and Hanukkah, we are reminded of the great hope that the one who was faithful in the past will be faithful in the future. God's promise to the Jewish people did not cease at Golgotha or with Jesus' incarnation. The promise to redeem His chosen people will happen because the Jewish people have a vital role to play in the future. And if you'd like to get all the facts in one clear resource, let me invite you to request a copy of our booklet, Christmas Through Jewish Eyes. It's free and available right now when you go online to chosenpeople.com radio. That's chosenpeople.com radio. Experience the most wonderful time of year in a fresh and engaging way this year. We'll send it to you when you call 888-2-YESHUA. That number again is 888 888- Thanks for reaching out. Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. And right now we're going to hear a story from a good friend, Olivier Melnick. After his future wife, Ellen, gave him a book, Olivier found himself searching and thinking about things differently and really thinking about who the Messiah might be. And when you hear Olivier's voice, you're going to hear a very charming French accent because Olivier was born and raised in Paris and came to faith in Jesus the Messiah. Not a whole lot of French Jewish people believe in Jesus, but Olivier is a great, great example of a French Jewish person who found Jesus to be the Messiah. But I was curious. Deep inside, I was curious, I've never read it. And you know, so many people tell you, I don't read, I don't know, I don't believe, but they just never read it. You gotta open a book and read it before you say, I don't like it or I don't believe in what's inside. After what happened to her father, my mother had to immediately be taken to the south of France to hide on the farm until the end of the war. She did that and then she came back to Paris where she lived. 
but she realized she was about 17 when she came back and she realized that for her, at least for her, God had died in the Holocaust. Her faith in anything was gone. She had a good reason. She basically was 15 when the Gestapo came to the house where she still lives in, in Paris, and snatched her father from in front of her eyes and took him away. And then she didn't find out until much later that he died in Auschwitz. That's why he never came back. In 1981, I came on my own, uh, came to California, and I was kind of excited because, you know, for a Frenchman, California, I was like, wow, you know, palm trees, the beach, and of course I was thinking, you know, Californian girls, we always talk about Californian girls, well, sure enough, on that trip, towards the end of my trip, I met this girl, Californian girl, and I fell in love with her, beautiful girl, and uh, it was only 10 days, but I fell in love with her. I have to say, I was quite excited to introduce my French friends to this California girlfriend of mine. That was pretty cool for a Frenchman, to have a Californian girlfriend. We, uh, we spent some time together and eventually one day I told her, I said, listen, uh, I really think I want to marry you. And that's when she said, well, wait a minute, uh, we can't do that. I'm a Christian and you're Jewish. We don't believe in the same, in the same thing. And I said, I don't care. We, you can believe in whatever you want. Let me believe in whatever I want. You love me, I love you. Let's just move on and stay together and get married. She wouldn't do that. At some point uh, in my late teens, uh, my sister had married this uh, um, religious Jewish man. And uh, uh, after becoming friendly, he asked me if I wanted to go with him and study the Torah and the Talmud and consider my Jewish roots a little, a little deeper. And I was attracted to that for a little while. I was, uh, because there was something, when you have Jewish blood, when you hear Yiddish, when you hear something Jewish, it always kind of touches you in a certain way. So I was attracted to that. Uh, but then, uh, having grown up in a very Jewish environment with Jewish family everywhere, I remember that what really bothered me is, in, 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 in a lot of cases, was some of the hypocrisy I saw. In, in the Jewish community, and I kept thinking of the time that we would go to synagogue for Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, uh, just to please the, the patriarch of the family. And so we'd be there, we'd give him a kiss and say, hey, we're here, you know, Hak uh, Sameach. And then we'd go outside and smoke cigarettes and look at the new cars that we bought, the new clothes. And I realized this is, this is not real. This is not about religion. This is not about God. The Bible is just God's book, a big book. It, it meant nothing to me. This is just about pretending, and I thought if I'm ever, ever gonna believe in God for anything, it's gotta be real. Whoever he is, it's gotta be real. It can't be hypocrisy. So I said no. I got this book from, uh, from Ellen, the late great planet Earth, and uh, it was a book on prophecies, uh, and it was divided in two parts. The first, the, the prophecies of the Messiah when he came, and the prophecies of the Messiah when he's gonna come back. And it was a little, a little overwhelming for me, but they were very short. So I started reading, uh, this is what was prophesied in the Jewish Bible, and this is what happened. And I'm going like, wow, this, if this is really true, this is, this is kind of cool. Uh, and I would read this book on my way to work every day in Paris, uh, in the subway, and I think two or three times I actually missed my stop when I had stopped and I'm going like, oh my goodness, I have to get out and go on the other train and go back to my work and be late. It's at that time that things started to change. It really became more of a reality. And what was interesting to me, when I read the Bible, God's Word, it did nothing. But when a man 
in the book that he wrote gave me the same information. It was like relating a man to another man. I'm going, ah, this guy believes that. I'm not alone. Maybe he's right. When I think of Jesus, when I thought of Jesus back then, to me, Jesus was a dead man on a cross the statue you see in the Catholic Church. How many times I had been into a Catholic Church? Maybe a dozen times for special events for my friends. But there was no connection. Uh, I knew because in the family it was being told, Jesus is not for us. But because my entire family was non-religious, there was never any discussion of why he was not for us. I was just told early on, Jesus is not for the Jews. The first time I really understood who Jesus was, I realized that he was somebody who was completely innocent of anything, who paid the price for everything I've ever done. And that, that, that was hard for me to accept. He basically died for me. He said, you know what? I'll take care of it. You're innocent now. Whatever you did, it's gone. That was big. And to be honest with you, Every morning when I get up, I'm going like, I can't believe he did that, because I really don't deserve that. There was an increasing burden to both reach my people and study God's word. And uh, I was really interested in, 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 in finding out what God had to say. So eventually this led to uh, me deciding to go to a study for, to get a degree uh, at a Bible college in Jewish studies, to get a degree in Jewish studies. And I remember calling my dad after, it was probably like 10 years when I told him my involvement in the believing community. And every time I called him, there was a little more and a little more and a little more. Eventually I called him and said, Dad, I'm gonna go to a Bible college and get a degree, a Bible degree in Jewish studies. And my dad's reaction, he was not a believer, said, what's happened to you? Next time you call me, yeah, you're gonna be the Pope. Chosen People Ministries exists to glorify God, to proclaim the gospel to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, and to develop programs that will help us accomplish this task. We are dependent upon God's provision, and we'd love for you to prayerfully consider partnering with us. Your financial gifts will be channeled into helping us fulfill the call of Romans 1.16. If you'd like to participate in this worthwhile cause, go to chosenpeople.com slash radio and click on the donate button. Your gifts make an impact and with your help, we will continue proclaiming the good news to Jewish people around the world until Jesus Messiah returns. Thank you for your support. Once again, you'll find us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. You know, this ministry and the work we do all around the world would not exist without the faithful support and partnership of believers all over the world who stand with Israel and the Jewish people. And we're so grateful for your prayers and your gifts. And we'd love to know that you're listening. To connect with us today, just go online to chosenpeople.com radio. Bobby, when our listeners reach out to us and let us know they're listening, we're going to send them a thank you gift, a free thank you gift. It's a booklet called Christmas Through Jewish Eyes, and it's been designed to help our friends see the historical connections between Christians and the Jewish people, the incarnation, the virgin birth, and of course, how Hanukkah fits into the discussion as well. So request your copy of Christmas Through Jewish Eyes when you go online to chosenpeople.com slash radio. You can also ask for the free booklet when you write to us at Chosen People Ministries, 241 East 51st Street in New York, New York, 10022. 
That's 241 East 51st Street, New York, New York, 10022. Or give us a call at 888-293-7482. That's 888-293-7482. And be sure to ask for your copy of Christmas Through Jewish Eyes. And right now, let's wrap up today's program with the Aaronic Benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.